Hello and welcome to the Feedback Force podcast, the game design analysis podcast of the End Defender community. We're back. It's an episode, and I'm Kelso. And I'm Kyla. And I'm Carl. We've got big news. One of us has big news. Oh, well, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't feel like I have this news yet. The news okay. is, is theoretically that I'm buying a house or a condo, but we don't close until like early December. So technically, okay, I don't fair. own the house for a while. <laughs> okay, still, that's good that you got an offer accepted, because that part, that's like the hardest part, <laughs> I think, honestly, um, is g- getting through that gauntlet. But yeah, yeah. Well, it's so. the the market's in a weird place right now because interest rates are crazy high, and so people are putting their houses up for sale at like normal market rates, and nobody's buying them because nobody can afford the interest. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as a result, a lot of things are falling in price because nobody's making offers. So like this place we got because we had looked at it and we're like, oh, this is really nice, but it's out of our price range, and then the price dropped fifteen thousand dollars. So. Hell yeah. Uh, Take advantage. <laughs> yep. So, you know, I guess paying exorbitant interest rates will come with the upside of we are, we're actually able to afford the place in the first place. Yeah. Well, that's uh, exciting. And I uh, will keep my fingers crossed for a smooth closing everything yeah. you gotta do now. Please do. It's uh, yes. I'll, I'll, like talk more about it once we have it and like send you all pictures and stuff the uh it, it has like a zillow listing but which i i'm not going to share because that would dox me um yeah that's fair but, uh, the it was really funny to me because we've been showing it to all our friends uh you know to show them the place that we're getting and the so a lot of like uh, real estate listings now do this thing where they um they like Photoshop in furniture. So you can like yes. imagine what the place looks like with furniture, right? So there's, you know, a, a lot of times they'll even do a side by side where they'll show you like the photo of the room and then like the Photoshopped version that has the staged furniture. And usually it's like, you know, clearly there's some software designed to make the, to do this because it, it looks like there's furniture in the room and it's, you know, it's pretty well done. Sometimes you can be, you know, you have to look pretty closely at the lighting to, uh, to see that it's fake. Uh, not so this one. <laughs> this has some of the worst photoshopped furniture I have ever seen, and it does not provide a side-by-side with the original room. Oh my god, that's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, there's like a bed that's like halfway floating off the floor, there's like <laughs> plants with, you know, entirely different lighting schemes than the rest of the room, just like pasted onto the side. It's uh, it's pretty fun. Oh my god, that's, that's great. Uh, we didn't when we were looking at like like I've seen I've seen that. Like people have posted that kind of thing and I've seen it before, but I didn't come across it like in the wild. Um so that's great. Real happy for you <laughs> that you get to experience that. <laughs> yeah. So that's been kind of a fun you know, fun little thing. There's some uh interesting quirks to the place. Like it's uh it's all uh like laminate wood flooring. Um uh, or you know, fake wood uh, laminate mm-hmm. flooring, a- except for like the like two square feet in the entranceway coat closet, which is carpeted for some reason. That's Isn't... wild. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's it's cool. You ran out of time. 
Yeah, yeah, I think they were replacing an original carpet and they just, like, missed the spot or something. I don't know. Um, yeah. But, yeah, as I say, I'll I'll talk more about it once uh, once we know for sure that we actually have the place. Okay, well, everybody listening, send Kyla your good vibes for yep. a smooth closing. Yup. It's honestly, it's like one of the most terrifying things that I've ever done. It feels weird because you you make a decision using the same like decision making processes that you would do for like what you want to have for breakfast that day, right? Like it's you're just making a decision, but it has like the hugest ramifications on your life. Yeah, it feels yeah. like a very outsized like disproportionate uh consequence to what is effectively just a normal decision <laughs> yeah it's it is pretty wild um especially when you like i don't know when you like have to i don't know if how much you're putting down or whatever but if you when you have to like hand that money over it's like this is the most money i've ever spent yeah on I sp anything i spent the like <laughs> the vast majority of my life saving this money yeah so same so yeah. yeah, it's um yeah, it's scary, but I don't know. I but think you're not, yeah. you're not stuck there forever. If it's, you it, it's possible to move again. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh you know, hopefully we won't hate it and we'll stay there for a while and and like it a lot. <laughs> it's hard to say. I mean, if you liked it when you like went through it, and you liked it when you looked at the terribly photoshopped pictures. <laughs> I think you're probably okay. Yeah. No, it's, um... It is on the third floor, so we'll see how well we deal with uh, climbing two flights of stairs every day. Because <laughs> there is no elevator. <laughs> yeah, that's rough. That builds character, though. Yep. Oh, awesome. Uh, anyway... Um... What have y'all been up to? That's been like that, and the the house search preceding it have been like eating my life for a while. Yeah, understandable. I have been doing nothing, and it feels great. Nice. I guess I had a birthday. I don't. Oh, how did birthday. I have a birthday? Happy I had a birthday, birthday like a couple weeks ago. Now I'm 34, and like. Now I'm finally at the point where it's like, oh man, am I actually getting old? And I think the answer now is, like, definitively yes. <laughs> You're always getting old. I know. I don't know, 35 feels like a big, like, I don't know, 35 feels like a big number of years to have been alive. Um, and I'm approaching it. As so, the, but is, as... it, is it bigger than 30? No. I feel like when I turn 30, I could still, like, like trick myself into being like oh you're not that old but now once like but now that i'm 34 i'm like officially in my mid-30s i think um <laughs> yeah and and so it's like oh well now you're closer like to 40 yeah and now you're closer to 40 basically i'm like i'm gonna be i'm gonna be 40 in in a few years air quotes a few but yeah as that being uh... said oh yeah I mean, I was going to say, that being said, I did absolutely nothing, and nothing has changed. So, there you go. That's just yes. how it is. Say, as yeah. They Might Be Giants says, you're older than you've ever been, and now you're even and older. Now you're even and older. And now you're even older. <laughs> and now you're even older. You're older than you've ever been, and now you're even older, and now you're older still. 
Yeah, I was I thinking about think that would... song. Like all week. I didn't think I would actually care when I turned 30, but when I did, I had a mini panic. It's weird, isn't it? Yeah, it's you're really like, weird. You're like, ah, shit, am I supposed to be an adult by this point? I don't feel like an adult. When does that kick in? Yeah. Soon. Soon, I promise. Uh, <laughs> I don't... I, I'm worried. I think at this point it's just never gonna kick in. I'm always gonna feel like I'm, like, just a, a kid who got lost and is stumbling through this, like, world of responsibility. Yeah, we're all just faking it. Yep. Um, <laughs> which I think yeah. is just kind of the norm. Um, yeah, pretty given much. how, how, I don't know, like, it's like, I wonder if our, like, parents felt like they were faking it at this time, at this point, like, in their 30s. Um, and it's easy to be like, oh, no, they had all their shit figured out. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I would I bet mean... my life on it being, no, they did not have everything fig figured out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is maybe they... just the human condition. Yeah, they just had all the responsibilities and also two kids by the time they were my age. Like, Yeah, exactly. Oh. Oh. I was thinking, like, you know, my mom didn't, like, buy their, my mom and dad didn't buy their first house until my mom was 40. But also she did have two kids by that point, so... You know, there's different paths. Yeah. <laughs> Carl, how have you, what have you been up to the past few weeks? <laughs> I I have been doing one single thing every single day. I've Work? been playing Factorio. Oh, okay. Oh, and fun. Okay. I started playing one of the like Pianodon mob. It's called. It's. Hmm. It's regularly considered one of the most complex mods ever. Okay. And it's estimated to take like 700 hours to complete for people that know their shit. Too many so I'm hours. in for a ride. Oh yeah, my gosh. What, what does it uh, what does it add? Basically, it's Pretty much like the normal game, it just adds complexity, like more recipes, and also um, a lot of mods, including this one, makes multiple things when you create an item. So you don't get one re resource, you get several, right. and then you need to use those. You need to get rid of those somehow. Mm -hmm. So the system kind of loops back into itself and just becomes very complex. Interesting. I yeah. I I've never played Factorio. Um but I'm like I'm just like Googling it to remember what it looks like off the top of my head, and I'm seeing a lot of flowcharts, and I think the <laughs> only game that I want to have to consult a flowchart for when I'm playing it is visual novels, and that's it. Um, yeah, it's, so... I feel like Factorio is a game for people who like the thought patterns of programming, um, because a lot of it is about sort of like efficiently using space and resources 
and like making sure that um I mean it doesn't have to be you can also build something real gangly and ugly that's very inefficient and doesn't get <laughs> all the resources you need in the places and makes too much of a thing and whatnot but um yeah it's, I, it's, I assume it's like if optimize is a verb that you enjoy in games then uh, you will like factorio yeah i that's kind of what i assumed is that like getting getting everything running very well is like it's not like just enough to like get it going to reach your objective it's like you got to do it in a like beautiful and efficient way maybe not beautiful but like beautiful in a sense yeah, and like that's the real end to. state <laughs> Yeah, you don't have to, but like that is, I think, one of the core pleasures that many people find in the game. Yeah, um, yeah. That makes sense. So what I really like about the game is when you have like a task that looks really daunting, and then you start breaking it down into smaller parts, and then it just becomes a task list of like, do this. Now you have done this. Do the next thing. And in the end, you have like this cool system of things where every single step is quite simple, but together it becomes more complex. A lot of steps. Nice. That, oh, see, that's, that's the kind of game that I can't play, because I will get overwhelmed and upset. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Because I have ADD and I look at a big task and I don't break it down into small tasks, I just say, mm, nah. Um, yeah, so that's fair. That's, yeah, but... Yeah, I... Man, I, if... I, yeah. I kind of bounced off Factorio, and I'm not 100% sure if it was the gameplay or if it was just the, like, aesthetics of, like, you are strip mining an alien planet and then, like, uh, you know, violently fending off the native wildlife that try and stop you from polluting the planet. Um, like... <laughs> That the the aesthetics of it definitely rub me the wrong way. I'm not sure if that if like I don't like the game sort of because of that, or if I wouldn't like the game anyway. But that's, that's you know that's yeah that's this is not a great look. What are you gonna do? Um, I mean, I guess your goal is to get off the planet, so you eventually leave them alone, um, which is fine. But yeah. I like simulation games, but I'm not sure I like factory games. The only other one I know of is Satisfactory, which is just Factorio in 3D, as far as I can yeah. tell. Um, yeah. But so, yes. our own owners of the company I work for, they, I mean, they come from Coffee Stain, which started working on Satisfactory. And I can tell you that when they started making that game, they literally said, let's make Factorio in 3D. <laughs> Sounds about right. Yep. Yeah. Which, I mean, I think there's market space for that, right? Like, some yeah, people absolutely. like enjoy factory games, but would rather have the third, the spatial element and the traversal element be a part of that. And that's fine. Like, sure. Uh, go for it, but Satisfactory uh, also has co-op, right? Because I feel like I remember Ev playing that with one of his friends like quite a bit. Um, it I does. think. Okay, so that's probably another another thing is I don't know being able to like slave drive your friends 
um yeah no i i think it's it's like a game that's kind of uh like adjacent to sort of like nodding neighbors with uh survival crafting but i think i i prefer more of the survival crafting side of things i i wander away from factorio and into survival crafting yeah same which man i got to get back to raft we uh we never did finish that I should probably pick it up still. Every time you mention it, I'm like, oh, I should pick that up. And That's then I good. don't. You can, uh, you can make friends with Bruce the shark. Can you um, actually make friends with the shark, though? No, by make friends with, I mean fend off with a pointy stick. Um, okay. <laughs> See? Yeah. Uh, you can kill the shark, so it's actually an infinite series of Bruce's, but... Uh, okay, yeah, I was I was gonna say, uh, if is it like... Is it like the the big monster thing in prey where you kill it and it just comes back anyway because what's the point if it's not so yeah there's always a a, a shark at least one um my understanding is if you have enough people in my multiplayer you can have multiple sharks that's uh, too many sharks yeah <laughs> too many shark but if you manage to kill the shark the shark meat is real good eaten um gives you a lot of gives you a lot of food points back fair uh, also, um, it's November now, uh, which means it's NaNoWriMo. I was going to ask if you were doing NaNo. Yeah. I'm and then doing... I got distracted by house stuff. Uh, I'm doing NaNo. I'm, I'm sort of doing NaNo. I am doing NaNo for editing my novel. Um, what, but I am on a, a Dewey type of edit pass periodically, um, which involves me just retyping the entire novel. Um, like, I, I yeah. on one screen, I have the old draft, and on the new screen, I have a blank thing, and I type out the novel. Because I read it differently if I am reading it to rewrite it than I do if I'm just reading it. And so I, I, get, I feel like I get stronger edits when I do it that way. But it takes longer, so I don't do those passes as often. But I'm doing one of those passes, and I had kind of already been in the middle of it. I was some, like, 40,000 words into my edit pass. But as it turns out, the original draft is, like, 93,000 words. So I ended up with just about 50,000 words of editing I needed to do for Nano. So yeah. Perfect. I'm going to try and do 50,000 words of editing for Nano. Nice. That's cool. I, every year I'm like, should I do it this year? And then I, it, October just completely gets away from me, and then it's November, and it's like, oh, well, I'm not prepared. <laughs> so. uh, I mean, depending on the kind of writer you are, you don't necessarily have to be prepared. You can just wing it. Um, I am not that kind of writer, though. Yeah. I need, I need to at least have a, like, destination in mind for the story. Uh, yeah, and the the real big thing is that like I haven't actually written anything in years, and I want to get back into it. And maybe maybe starting with a month long like challenge is not the way to do that, <laughs> or maybe yeah. it is. I don't know. Um, oh, also, I... like, um, me specifically, like I would like start one of those and then miss a day, and then like ah, might as well not yeah. do it anymore. Yeah, I have a really <laughs> bad. Personality for like sticking with those kinds of challenges. I'm the Too same bad. way. 
I'm the same way for sure. Uh, you can always do what I did uh, in college, which was I decided I was going to work in my in, on my writing, so I just woke up two hours earlier every day and just wrote for two hours. And it didn't have to be like one continuous writing. It was, and it could be like stream of consciousness journaling or like short story or random scene, or I could work on something longer. But it, as long as I just like wrote for that amount of time, um, then it counted. Yeah, but See, I that's feel a like good... as soon as I don't do it, I feel like I have failed and don't continue. Yeah, that's the that's the trick is you have to like give yourself permission to get back on the horse if you fall off. Yeah. yeah. And also like I every everything like the solution seems to be like just get up early. And getting up early is very difficult. And the the yeah. real thing here is that I just have no willpower or discipline. <laughs> um, yeah. So like as that's like the first hurdle to overcome. Yeah, I've I've I'm doing I'm doing my writing uh in the mornings for November or I'm going to try to. But then I am I cuz I started getting up earlier a couple hours earlier uh, every day in the summer just to kind of like have extra time in my day to do stuff. Um, and I'm, I'm realizing now that's not sustainable during the winter because my body does not respond to the lack of sunlight and, yeah. uh, and I, I should say does not respond well to the lack of sunlight. And so I just, I, I, you know, implode. Um, so I'm not going to try and do that <laughs> during the darkest months, but I do want to try and start it up again, like maybe in the late spring. Um. But I am also going to try and get through Nano by getting up like a little earlier to write in the mornings, not not the full yeah. two hours I was doing. But yeah, I yeah I need to actually <laughs> try to start getting up earlier, just so that I I don't know. It's just like even if I'm not doing anything, it's just nice to have that extra hour to like enjoy a cup of tea. Or, like, maybe actually make breakfast, because I'm terrible about not eating breakfast. Um, <laughs> and just, like, not feel like, oh no, I gotta get out the door. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's nice to have some extra time. I was, like, working out a couple times a week. Uh, I was working on other writing stuff. Um, it was, uh, I was getting chores done, like, doing folding laundry and stuff. Um it was a it was a productive summer, but this yeah I need I need the daylight to the daylight fuels me. Yeah, yeah. yeah the last I had couple a weeks period of oh go on. Oh. oh, I was gonna say the last couple weeks have been rough, like because we just switched back to standard time, so now we have at least here we have daylight in the morning, um, and yep. it's just gonna be in in the evenings where it's like dark it's immediately. Be, it's gonna be dark at. <clears throat> like four o'clock here and i'm so sad yeah um yeah. i don't mind it i i i need like morning daylight more than i need evening daylight but i get it for sure so the last couple weeks have been rough because like you've I'm, like i wake up and it's still like completely dark so i'm like this sucks i don't want to get out of bed what are you what this is torture this is inhumane so anyway sorry carl go ahead no i was just about to say that Earlier this year, I had a period of time where I woke up at 4 a.m. every single day. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
And it was the greatest period of time. There's so much. There's so much more time so in the morning. Good. Yes, I know. I mean, I know there isn't. But I mean, there is. I have not though. magically invented time. Yeah, but I. Yeah, it, it's yeah, like you do. Nice. You wake up and you work for like hours, and then you look up at the clock, and it's like. 7 a.m. still, and you're, you're like, what the fuck? I just did, like, a whole day's worth of work, what? Yeah, I I managed about a week of that. When I came back from France and I was still, like, not on, not not in the right time zone. Like, my body was not in the right time zone. And I was waking up at, like, I don't know, like, a couple hours earlier than I normally do. And I was like, well, I'm awake. I might as well just get up. And it was great. And I was like, oh, I should keep doing this. And then, like, a week later... <laughs> I was back on I was back on normal time and it became impossible again. I was so mad. Oh Yeah. Because it's also nice to stay up late. Well the thing is like I stay up late so, like I go through periods of staying up late as well. But I don't get anything productive done in the evenings. Like I, I you know, by by like seven or eight in the evening I'm tired and I just wanna like veg out and watch T V or something. And so like I, you know, I spend the same amount of time awake, but I get like way less done. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I think it's different for different people. Some people have body rhythms where they really like come alive at night, and they're really great at working. You know, those late hours, but not not so for me. Yeah. I'm great at not working either in the morning or in the evening. <laughs> Same. Me too. Honestly, me too. Fair. Uh, shall we talk about our game? I think we can talk about our game. That we um, yeah. Uh, oh no, I lost my win- my window um, that I had open. I have, there, I there it is. I have it. It's fine. I've got it now. Um, we played a game called Venba from Visai Games, uh, which is a game about basically being being an immigrant and kind of like telling the story of an immigrant family through cooking and little vignettes sweet little game yeah very reminiscent of uh florence which we played before Mm -hmm. uh, i would say in terms of like it's a it's a narrative game that has mechanics in it but the mechanics are more just kind of to to propel you through the story than they are to like be mechanics yeah, um, it's it's I I don't know if if this is like <laughs> something that people are calling these types of games, but I tend to think of them as like interactive memoirs. Hmm, that's that's a good term for it. Um, if if people aren't calling it that, we we should coin it. We can start it. Yeah, it's um, an interactive memoir. Yeah, great yeah, market. I, uh, I don't know how to do that. I'm not going to do that. And it's uh, it is Canadian based i assume the devs are canadian because it takes place in canada and it was made with some like canadian government funding so i assume you have to be a canadian studio to get that probably let's see where Uh, is the studio from that's fine we can keep talking i'll I'll look it i'll look it up um so venba is uh the name of the mother character in this family and it starts with, uh, by the way, like, we are going to talk through the story. I think it's still playable after spoilers, but you might get more enjoyment out of it if you play it before spoilers. So if, you know, like, 
an an interactive like very sweet memoir about the Canadian Indian uh, immigrant experience like appeals to you, probably go play it. I would say before listening to the pod. Um, also, it's very short. It's You'll very probably short. get through it in like an hour. So yeah, you know, it's like it's it's between an hour and an hour and a half. It's it's pretty quick. Um. Uh. So yeah, it's Venba is the name of the mother of the family. She and her husband. Uh, have just moved to Canada and are kind of struggling to make ends meet and debating whether maybe they should just go back to India um, and, you know, try their luck there because, you know, they they came looking for, like, maybe slightly improved opportunities, but they're not really finding a ton. Uh, but then Venba gets pregnant, and so they decide that, you know, the, the child will have probably a better life growing up uh, in Canada than, than he would back home, so they decide to stay. And it's about sort of growing up and uh, the the kind of dysphoric uh, experience of like being a child of one culture growing up in a different culture and like rebelling against that culture as you try to assimilate, but then also like, you know, wanting to embrace that, re-embrace that culture later in life. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I feel like I've, you know, there've been a lot of stories kind of on this subject recently, but they're mostly told from the experience of the child. And this is one of the first ones I've seen that's told from the, more from the perspective of the parents. Mm -hmm. um, like yeah. it's really more about Venba than it is about her son. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I just, um, it's, also, considering that we're, like, coming at this primarily from the mother's perspective, it's also really, really a game about emotional labor, um, I noticed. Kind of is, yeah. Uh. Um, yeah, the, like, the very first, like, segment that you see is, um, the husband is, like, leaving for work, uh, Venba is, like, sick, she's been sleeping on the couch not feeling well, and she's like, well, we've, like, you can make something really quick for lunch before you leave. And he's like, oh, I don't know. Cooking is real hard. I don't think I could do it. And she's just like, fucking fine. I'll do it. Yeah. Shit. And he's like, oh, you didn't have to cook for me. She's like, well, I'm not just going to let you go hungry. Ding dong. Um, yeah. And, like, and boy, also, I, I need to eat lunch, too. So it's not, it's not like, you know, one of us had to cook, so... <laughs> Yeah, I think she. I think she even says like, "I'd still be cooking. You just wouldn't have to see it." Yeah. Um, and like, boy, that's a real thing when when you're primarily responsible for the cooking in your household. My God. <laughs> yeah. 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 I really felt like I I resonated pretty strongly with Venba's emotional journey in this because she's she's trying real hard. <laughs> she's doing a lot for her family and in mm -hmm. all these other immigrant stories you get a lot of like the you know the child is sort of just trying to you know make a place for themselves and you know like find where they belong between these two cultures and like you know fit in with their friends without like you know and like come to terms with how they're different kind of thing but this is more about like the mother just really wants to share her culture with her son and she's she's working real hard, and their life is kind of a struggle. And her son just like re completely rejects her, and it hurts. Like I I was like, man, come yeah. on, Kevin, be less of a jerk to your mother. I know. I was like, it's it's one of those things. 
where you know how it's going to turn out. He's going to, you know, get through college. He's going to become an adult and he's going to look back and actually appreciate it and want to reconnect with it. You know that's the trajectory. Um, but still, like, as it's happening, as he's being just, like, a, a little shithead, you're just like, man, I would want to fucking slap this kid. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so, yeah. As you said, like, it was kind of predictable in a way, like, what the story would become. Mm-hmm. So I mm-hmm. wasn't sure I would like it. I don't know. The writing is pretty good, and uh, it's still very emotional. Yeah, yeah. I think it I think that the dialogue good. is a lot of it too, um, and the dialogue all feels like actual people talking um, or texting. Sometimes it's texts that you're reading from you know one person to another, um, and the soundtrack is great. I'm I'm assuming. Just all Tamil music. Um, yeah. But yeah, soundtrack was really good. I actually, um, the one of the last songs, they like, they show the artist, like, he's got his phone open on Spotify listening to this artist, and I was like, hmm, I'm gonna look that up, and I, I found him. I was like, oh, this is good. I'm gonna listen to this. So. Yeah. Yeah, no, the, that one especially. I'm like, okay, we've gotten to the modern era, and we have some modern jams now. Like, this is good stuff. Um, yeah. they do They do some really, like, cute and clever stuff with the the scenes and the staging as well um like it's it's a bunch of vignettes it it kind of skips forward you know periodically through through different years and they do a neat thing with the dialogue boxes where um you can tell what language they're speaking in by the color of the text mm-hmm. um so when it's it's in white they're speaking tamil with each other and when it's in yellow they're speaking english mm-hmm. and sometimes the sun's text boxes because he's much more fluent in English, have this sort of, like, clouded, muddy texture over them when they're in English, implying that, like, the parents, they can understand him, but it's, like, a little bit harder, right? Like, it's Mm -hmm. just a little bit of a, like, struggle to it. And I thought, like, that's a beautiful visual uh, on that. Yeah, and the, um, like, big, maybe not the big, but one of the, emotional turn points is like um the the dad like comes home from work and on the way home i guess he gets assaulted is what it's implied um and before you encounter that um the the kid is on the phone with his dad's office because he's the only one who speaks english well enough to like talk to the office that his dad works at so his mom is like standing behind him telling him what to say in tamil and he's saying it in english and like that's a that's a great little scene to include yeah that's it's it's it communicates a lot about the family and about the circumstances and god like pretty much every scene involving uh venba and pavalon like lying together in bed and like talking about their worries like in in the dark like that just really hit (laughs) a little under the ribs for me like that felt so real yeah yeah that's a that's a very like i don't know that's a big thing that's a big part of just like being in a relationship is just like sometimes you just sit and talk about how scared you are of the future yeah Um, yeah yeah this is and i so 
I was I had a lot of thoughts playing this game because it it resonates with me in some really weird ways um because I I am also technically the child of an immigrant. It granted a, a white European immigrant, so I had a lot less of the like integration issues that, you know, Kavin had. Um but a lot of the like trying to reconnect with your parents' culture stuff kind of resonated for me. But also, uh, as I have mentioned before on this podcast, I grew up in a uh, Hindu commune. Um, so I grew up eating a lot of Indian food. And like my mother's best friend was an Indian immigrant. And so I grew up with, you know, the, the children of her family who were all mixed, you know, uh, Indian American kids. Um, and, you know, I, I didn't as a child it like did not occur to me that they might that they that they even looked different not even that they might be treated differently because they looked different as a child it did not occur to me that they looked different than i did yeah um, that's fair and i imagine they had probably an easier time while we were at the institute because there were a lot of indian families there so like it was not that unusual a thing but i i wonder more and more about you know what were the things that they dealt with growing up that I didn't think about, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Especially growing up in, like, rural, middle-of-nowhere Pennsylvania. Um, yeah. In a fairly conservative area. Um, yeah. I'm, like, yeah. I know, like, the, the middle child of that family, Promode, was my, like, bestest, best, inseparable friend as a child. Like, our birthdays were two days apart. We did oh, literally yeah. everything together. Um, and, you know, I remember in high school, we would joke a lot about the fact that people would always spell our names wrong on things. And, you know, like, Kyla is not that uncommon a name, but Promote is a fairly uncommon name. And I'm sure he got it a lot more than I did. Um, and, you know, people had a lot more difficulty pronouncing his, like, understanding how to pronounce his name and stuff. And I don't know. A lot of this also, you know, brought up memories of like eating in their kitchen and their mother cooking for us and um yeah even my mom because she she worked in the kitchens at the institute for uh quite a while and so she picked up a number of indian recipes um and so like i have my mother's biryani recipe uh if oh. you know pre pressure cooker based biryani recipe i think um and so I, I don't I don't know a ton about uh, like Indian food, really, um, but I think our cuisine was more northern Indian and Tamil food is more southern Indian, um, because other than the biryani, a lot of these dishes didn't seem that familiar to me. Um, yeah, I, I, I knew, I think like biryani and I knew dosas, dosas are great, um, but other, a lot of the other stuff was not familiar to me. Yeah, um, but have, but a lot like... of the a lot of the processes are similar, right? A lot of mm -hmm. like how you toast the spices beforehand. I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, I've seen my mom's little like you know spice. Uh, this is like a traditional, like a common Indian spice holder thing, which is like it's a metal bowl with like a bunch of tiny metal bowls in it that all have different yeah. spices. It's like this is it, I don't know. It all like felt really nostalgic to me in a certain way. Ah, uh, see, I'm I'm like jealous of that because I especially now um like Indian food feels like such a, a barrier to entry to cooking at home and the barrier of entry is like 
getting all the spices that you need. And I feel like if there's not like a decent Indian population nearby, you're just not going to be able to find a lot of that stuff. Yeah. Um, so where I live now, it's a lot of Filipino, which is great. Mm. But but I really wanted a dosa after after yeah, playing I this know. game. If you get if you can get cumin, coriander, and turmeric, you can make a lot of North Indian stuff. Um, that's yeah, that's true. Like obviously, you know, not everything, but um, my understanding is that's a really common spice mixture that's in basically everything. I think, um, I have, I think the only thing I of those that I don't have is coriander. Yeah. So maybe I'll just the, pick um, up some coriander and, and do it. Yeah. The uh <clears throat> the, the biryani recipe is the only one I have that survived from my childhood that like came came forward with me, but um I mean I guess I, I make papadums with it, but like papadums mm -hmm. don't count because they're you just buy them in the store and then like cook them over a flame and they're done. <laughs> like you don't have to yeah. make anything with that. Um I guess yeah. I do I also have um uh, Himalayan salt. There's like a special salt that you get for oh, making yeah. salted yogurt than the, the salted mm -hmm. yogurt that like goes with the food. Um, so that's that's a thing that can be a little hard to get a hold of. I think I feel like I see Himalayan salt all the time. Um, well, so, unless it's like a specific time of Himalayan salt. Sorry, sorry maybe it's not Himalayan salt because there is there, there's two types of pink salt. There's there is a pink salt that's called pink salt, uh, and then there's a salt the salt that is actually for this, which looks pink, but it's called black salt. Uh, uh, mm. Is it... Is it... Um, Kalanamak? I think it's Kalanamak. That's, that's what I'm seeing, uh, yeah. Yeah, Kalanamak is the one to get. Um, okay. And that, you, you put a few pinches of that in some plain yogurt, and that's the yogurt that you have with all the spicy things. <laughs> Ill-fired rock salt. That sounds cool. Yeah, that's See, yeah. That's the, the main thing about it is it's it's like it's cooked. It's weird. It's different. Yeah. It's different than the the pink salt, um, okay. which is that makes that makes which more is sense. what you see usually in like shakers in grocery stores. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's that's fair. Yeah, the the big the, my big takeaway from this game is um, I I wish. <laughs> I wish I had more culinary culture to draw upon, but I grew up in the Midwest, um, of like the very, very white, uh, you know, we're gonna put cans of stuff into a dish and bake it and that's cooking. Um, so I have really, I have really had to kind of yeah. forge my own way as well, far as cooking goes. It's kind of ironic yeah, that we, it's kind of ironic that we played this game now because I actually kind of just went on this journey, like, I think it was, was it last weekend? Or the weekend before that? Did I tell you guys about my mushrooming adventure? Um, I don't think no. so. Because my, my culinary heritage from my, like, actual blood family is, uh, my family is Czech, and mushrooming is, like, a huge pastime um, in Czechia. And so, and a lot of, you know, Eastern European countries. But, um... Uh, so I used to go mushrooming all the time with my mom, um, especially once we moved out of the Institute, um, we, you know, that we lived in the woods basically. And so mom would take me out into the woods in the fall and we'd go looking for bolites. Uh, and mm. the, I like hadn't done it on my own since 
less, you know, since I basically left home, because with mushrooming, you got to be very careful that you know what you're doing, because you can yeah. potentially kill yourself if you're not careful. Um, which, you you know, is not true of all cuisines. Um, high risk, high reward. Yeah. That's what it is. But I, I had been noticing for a few years now that there was some kind of bolete growing wild in our apartment complex. And this, for whatever reason, this was this year had a really good mushroom season, and they were everywhere. And I noticed that the, like, kids of the neighborhood just, like, kick them over and, like, pull them up and destroy them. And I'm like, children, children, these are, like, there are, like, hundreds of dollars worth of foraged wild mushrooms on this property, and you are just, you are just grinding them into the dirt. What are you doing? And so I, I oh. felt like I had to... I had to do something. So I, I went out and I cut a bunch of them and I looked them up and I talked to my mom and my my mom talked to my grandma and I, you know, contacted the local like Facebook Pacific Northwest mushroom identification group and, you know, did internet research and until I was basically pretty positive what kind of bullet they were. Uh, and then I, I uh, peeled the caps off and I dried them. And so I like, I felt... I felt like nervous about it, but I did feel like I was like reconnecting with my heritage a little bit. Where I'm like, I'm a I'm a Czech person. I will mushroom. There are mushrooms here. I know what I know what I'm looking at. I know what to look for in a bolete. Yeah, that's that's also, cool. I've it, always been afraid. <laughs> bolete is something that is not that scary to pick as well. Yes, exactly. There are not that many dangerous. Yeah, the nice thing about boletes as a mushroom family is there is no deadly bolete lookalikes. Um, so okay. as long as you know how to identify something as a bolete, like the worst is going to happen is you give yourself like some stomach cramps and diarrhea, right? Like, which is not pleasant, yes. but like you know better than dying. So it's and oh and there as Carl said, there are only a few species of boletes that are like really not good anyway. Uh, there is something called the Satan Bolete, which you should not pick. Um, oh, cool. But it's red, and so just don't pick any Boletes that are red. Yeah, that's fair. Um, um, and yeah, there's, you I know, guess... there's some Boletes that are, like, uh, bitter, and, like, if you if you accidentally pick one, and Mom says, like, they're not going to hurt you, but if you put it in a meal, you will be very sad, because even one in a meal will ruin the entire dish, because it's so bad tasting. It's just really bitter. Damn, yeah, that's fair. I guess uh, but, I guess what this is coming down to is that like, to reconnect with my own culinary heritage, I just gotta start growing my own food because like my whole mom's side is farmers. Um <laughs> yeah. which has been a plan since we moved in here. Um and I just haven't gotten around to it yet, and I wanna yeah. actually do it like next spring. Yeah, just have a little a raised thing. bed. Do that do that as a project in the spring and, and reconnect yeah. to your food. It's My good. Food. It's good yeah. to connect to one's food. Food is a, you know, is a pillar of sort of tradition and culture, mm -hmm. and like, which is why this game is about that, right? It's, yeah. You know, it's a, it is a stand-in for the larger experiences of like of a culture. Yeah, and I uh, had my little herb garden this past <laughs> summer, and even that, even just like having all the herbs that I tend to use fresh. Out, just like right outside my kitchen door and just being able to like go grab some chives like even that's just like ooh, this is rewarding as hell um so yeah, yeah I and think the I'm chives motivated. are so free 
They will yeah. not stop growing. Yeah, like it, it's it has now been um, below freezing just a couple times for the first time this season, and I think my chives are still alive. I think they're still alive. They're like they're not looking great, but they're still hanging on in that pot out there. Um, nice. Maybe I bring them in. I can't bring them inside. Garth will eat them and make himself sick. Nice. Um, but yeah, so. Okay, maybe I'm motivated enough to have my yeah. little garden bed next spring. Uh, they were they were slippery jacks, by the way. In case anybody who's listening is very familiar with mushrooms and confused about why I was peeling the caps, they're, they're slippery jacks, which have slimy tops, so you have to peel the skin off. Ah. Uh, but, damn, they... Everything. <laughs> In Czech, they are called... Uh, it is called Klozek, I think my mom told me, is the, the Czech name for that mushroom. And I, I haven't I haven't cooked with them yet. I did eat a little bit of one of them just to make sure it was safe. Um, but I have not cooked with them yet. But every time I dried them, and every time I open that bag and I smell the inside of the bag, it smells like butter. It's so good. Oh. It's like, oh, yeah. it smells amazing. In Swedish, yeah. it's called uh, like butter soap, which is the kind of mushroom it is. Nice. Yeah. Mushroom pa- people sleep on mushrooms and mushroom powder and dried mushrooms too much. Don't sleep on don't sleep on mushrooms. Is there's, is the point? It's a great savory like if you you know it's a great savory meat alternative. Basically, it's like if you want if you don't want to use meat but you want to have something that's like real savory and has a has a strong umami, like you you can't go wrong with mushrooms. But uh, mm-hmm. man, some of those the spice mixtures that like I don't I don't eat meat, and some of the food in this game, I was like, man, I want to be eating that right now. That looks so good. Yeah. Especially um, there's, yeah, there's this, a... especially the sound. Yeah. The sounds of the, like spices frying, sizzling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just like the the ghee sizzling in the pan when you drop in anything. Ugh. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess I guess we can talk about like kind of the mechanics. So mm-hmm. um, as you enter a cooking segment, it basically lays out all of your ingredients, and then you get the recipe book, which is the recipe book that Venba um, was passed down to her from her mother. And the a lot of the pages are like kind of jacked up. There's generally shape. lots of it's bits old, that are old. It's in not yeah. great shape. It's it's been well loved. Um, And a lot of it is illegible. So basically what you're trying to do is piece together the recipe based on what you've got in the book and then her own memories of talking to her mother and watching her mother cook. Um, And you kind of have to trial and error it. Um, And it's basically, it's, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's that easy to fail if you get the order of things right. Like, it's mostly about getting the order of things. I don't know that you can, yeah. like, burn any... Like, if you don't... I was tempted to leave enough. some... No. I was tempted so, to leave some things on and find out, but... So was I, but I, I, I did I did for... Or... I, hmm. I, yeah, I think I would have failed if there was a, such a limit. But I don't yeah. think there is. I think that would be a little too... A little too much... Um, yeah, it's not trying to be like punitive. It's just trying to like. Um, I definitely uh, added things too fast. Yeah, the uh, yeah, you gotta let those onions brown. Yeah, gosh, and the, I, I remember you know my mom telling me, listen, like the things are gonna cook at different rates, so you always want to put in the onions first because the onions brown, and I'm like, yes, cooking. 
Yes. Um, and yeah, the got frying those spices. That that does make your entire house smell amazing. By the way, if you ever toast mm-hmm. spices. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I I make like like I call it bastard curry because it's not really any it's not really any authentic anything but I just make it with like curry powder and chickpeas and garlic and ginger and even just toasting like store bought curry powder. Mm-hmm. Oh, so yeah, good. And while you're while you're playing these segments there's a little like help thing at the bottom that you can click on that you can get a hint. I never tried the hints so I don't know what they actually uh like I assume they kind of just tell you how to do it. Um, but there's yeah, also like a little. Tell you how to do it. Yeah. Okay. Um, there's also a little like further info on the lot of the dishes where you can sort of like um, see what the what Venba is thinking about. You know, like oh, how are these foods like normally prepared? What are they eaten with? Like, or you know, like what is a memory I have associated with this? And some of those are pretty cute. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't notice those little bits of extra dialogue until pretty late in, so I missed a lot of them, which was a little bit. <laughs> Annoying. <laughs> did but... you get the Did you get the one from Kavin about Mulligatani stew? I didn't. Oh, see, I might have uh, just replay it so I can get all these because it's not like it's a long game. Yeah, there's a. Um, he has this little like mental conversation where he like talks about remembering that his dad was talking about how local places are just serving like a, a weak sauce version of their soup, and he realizes that like the word uh, mulligatawny is like a corruption of the words for, I think it's like pepper and water in uh, Tamil. So it's it's basically like, a because spe- there's a very like pepper heavy broth that he's working on. And he's like, oh, shoot. Like, it's literally just like a version of this soup, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So in the in the later chapters, you play as Kavin cooking because he's trying to like reconnect with the food that he that he turned away as a kid. Yeah, it, uh, it's the like the impetus for that is he um, he is writing for I guess a TV show or some kind yeah, of production. Sounds like, sounds like a TV uh, show. Yeah, um, and his his very like white bread. I don't know, producer or something. Someone else who's working on the production with him is like, oh, we need, we've got this Indian character and we need to have her eating Indian food. Um, like, with, with all of her, like, culturally diverse friends. And he was like, I I don't think that's, like, an authentic experience. Like, I would bring my home-cooked food to lunch and be too embarrassed to open it up at the lunch table. Like, this doesn't feel true yeah. to me. Um, so he was basically, and, and like... <sighs> It it hurt me so much when his <laughs> his white bread friend is like, "What should she be eating? Chicken tikka? Like, no, no. Like, come on, that's, that's like the first thing everyone learns is about Indian food is that tikka masala is a British invention. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I think he said I think he said tikka and uh, like vindaloo. Yeah, spicy um, vindaloo. The... Yeah, I will say that was the only character I that took me a bit out because the dialogue that did not feel real. Felt yeah. a little bit too on the nose. It is a li- it was a little on the nose. Yeah. I don't doubt that there are actually people out there like that, but it did feel a little on the nose. Um I yeah. di- I will say like to the credit of this like 
oblivious white guy, at least they are, like, contacting someone who knows what they're talking about to try and get some authenticity rather than just yeah. making stuff up themselves. So, like, yeah. they are taking the bare minimum step there. Mm-hmm. Could be yeah, worse. Yeah, so that is, that is something. Um, and then, uh, what was... Well, I guess I guess the next one is just he quits working at that show because he's like I I don't know I couldn't do it. Yeah, it felt fake. And then he goes and his mom at this point Venba has moved back to India. Um, now that he's yeah, like out of be, college. To be fair, he he doesn't object to the like, oh they they were really culturally insensitive. He he he's like I felt like a fake person because they're they're trying to like um consult me for my Tamil expertise and I spent my entire life like fighting my Tamil heritage and like so I felt like a fraud yeah that was a good he's... line of dialogue yeah mm -hmm. yeah yeah but yeah he goes back to visit his mom in India and it's not implied that he's like going to live there necessarily um, but you know he's he's reconnecting with her mm -hmm. so it, it comes comes back around and it's very nice yeah. And so the last, she does yeah, the last section is like he's learning how to make doses, and I, yeah, got it. directly from directly from <laughs> her. She's like she's like standing behind him and and sort of like you know helping to guide him. Mm -hmm. Um. Oh, let's talk about the the roughest vignette of of all uh, of them. I, yeah, I was gonna go there as well. God. <laughs> um. So. After after Kavin goes to college, there's one section where Venba is like sitting outside on the patio. She gets a text after after her husband has passed away. Yes, after yeah, after he has passed away, which they don't really they don't even really remark on it. They just kind of like yeah, you, you show see a picture a, of him. Yeah, and you mm -hmm. see his glasses are in front of it, you know, implying that he's not around he's anymore. Not and, them. Yeah, he's not yeah. around to wear them anymore. Um, so she gets a text from Kavin, and he's gonna come visit. And she cooks a uh, an amazing spread of oh like God, I don't so know many, like six six or eight different dishes, like yeah. just just like a table full of food. And then she gets the text. Oh, something came up. I'm gonna be a little late, but I'll still come by. And then yet another text. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm actually not gonna be able to make it at all. <laughs> it was so hard. To, like, God, sit like through that that is one of the saddest things like this is not the first time i've encountered that image in fiction and it guts me every time the idea of like someone like slaving over a bunch of food and then it just going to waste because the other person like doesn't show is like yeah. fucking tragic to me and it's it's extra rough because she's so happy to finally yes. be able to like cook for him and to, yeah. like, you know, the idea that he's going to come home and visit and he's going to enjoy this cooking. And then he just doesn't show up. And she's, like, yeah. crushed. Ugh. Yeah. Oh. And you don't even, it's... like, really see her being crushed about it. You just see her, like, kind of falling asleep on the porch as it's getting dark, like, holding the phone. And with the message that he's not going to make it. And I'm like, god damn! Yeah, and then she goes back into the kitchen and looks at all the food and then looks at the sink full of dirty dishes. Yeah. As it's, like, gotten dark outside. Oh. Yeah, it's like, oh. fuck, Kavin, respect your goddamn mother. Yeah, and uh, you, if you scroll up in the phone conversation, 
it's just a bunch of messages from her saying, like, good morning. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Again, uh, I'm really getting into the idea of, like, the emotional labor of cooking for your family. Yeah, and and just, like, you know, it's not like she doesn't lo- like to cook. Like, she clearly enjoys the process, mm-hmm. and, like, this is a thing that... The food is a thing that she cares about, that she considers, like, an important part of their heritage and their lives, and so it's a thing she wants to share with him. But it's yeah. a, it's also a thing that's, like, he's continually fighting against. I think at one point, like, when he's about to go off to college, he says something like, I don't want to smell like Little India anymore. It's like yeah. Jesus, Cubby. <laughs> like, come on. Yeah. It's like, she's doing all this like amazing stuff for you, and you don't you don't appreciate your parents at all, Cubby. Come on. Yeah. Yes. Be nice to your freaking mom. Ugh. Yeah, and I don't um, know how much of this is just the that as I was saying, like for once, the story is told from the point of view of the parents, which is uh, you know a little bit less of the usual take on it. Um, mm-hmm. versus, like, we're just getting older and <laughs> we're siding with the adults more. But, yeah, probably a little bit of both. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I'm thinking of, uh, and I mean, I know these aren't, like, strictly speaking uh, entirely about that, but, like, um, you know, there was, uh, Turning Red kind of had some elements of this. Uh, mm-hmm. The Everything Everywhere All at Once did, and uh, even the the Marble um, Shang-Chi and the Five Rings, or Legend of the Five Rings or whatever it is, um, mm-hmm. also has some of that, like, you know, like, child, immigrant child dysphoria stuff a little bit, like, returning to the native heritage and culture. Uh, granted, that one's a little bit more of a fantasy culture than a real one, but still. Yeah. Um, um, I mean, you know, it is also, like, obviously, you know, China is a real country and it is real heritage, but, like, his is about, like, secret ninja supernatural <laughs> world, yeah. so yeah. A, little, yeah, yeah, yeah. a little bit different. Um yeah, or like transforming into uh, the, literally the only one of those three things that you listed that I've seen as seeing red, but like transforming into a giant red panda. Like, mm, that's yeah. Look, we're getting into metaphorical territory here, and that's fine. Yeah. yeah, but they do have a lot of stuff in that one about how she, you know, like helps her family care for the family shrine, mm-hmm. and you know, like how her mother has inherited a lot of like the ways that you know her family raises children from her mother yeah. and the way her mother treated her and. You know, so, sort of the generational trauma angle. Yeah, um, I was just going to say generational trauma, definitely. Yeah. A lot of generational trauma movies lately. Um, yeah. It's, it's you know, we're... This is a particular generation has grown up and is making movies now. And, uh, but yeah, this one, is, this one is less about generational trauma and more just specifically about the, the sort of cultural experience and... Uh, the cultural assimilation experience. But yeah, it's nice to see it from the parents' point of view because you really feel, in a lot of the the opposite ones, it can feel a little draconian or like out of touch that the parents are like trying to force the older culture onto their child. But mm-hmm, in this yeah. one, you can really feel how it's, you know, it's a part of herself and it's a thing that she cares about and loves. 
and wants to share with her child. And the fact that her child is rejecting it feels like partially rejecting her and who she is. Right? Yeah. Like, he's, and, he's and embarrassed that she's his mom. Yeah, and, and seeing it from the parent's perspective also really puts into uh, into perspective, like, the, the emotional struggle of, like, we want to do what's right for our child, but you you don't know what what that is. You just kind of yeah. do your best. Um, yeah, early as, on, as with the, everything. Yeah, early on, one of the conversations uh, that she has with Pavalon is Pavalon has a line that's like, you know, like if if we like stay here, you know, is he going to resent us for the fact that like we you know we don't have as much like means here? We don't really know anybody, so like. We can't give him as much as the other kids around here. But, you know, if we go home, will he resent us for taking away the opportunity to grow up here? You know, like, so he's kind of a, like, maybe he could resent us either way. Yeah. And that's, um, and that's like, the tough part. Yeah. Um, but Kevin does come around eventually at the end, as as you know he must. But it's it's a tough journey. It's I did I definitely like teared up at the end of the game. Uh, both both when I first like saw the playthrough and when I played it through myself, because um, it does it does hit. <laughs> like even even like knowing where it's going, it does hit. Yeah. Yeah. There's also like some surprisingly different dialogue you can get in some scenes by choosing different ones. Um, oh, really? I guess I haven't... I only played through it the one time. Um, yeah, I have the advantage of... I, I have the advantage slash disadvantage that I, I happened to watch a complete Let's Play uh, playthrough of it ah. before we said we were going to play it. Um, so I, I saw what he selected, and then I uh, often, like, if I remembered, I tried to intentionally select a different choice so I could see, like, what the other dialogue was. But especially in the scene where um, Van Bun and Kavin are walking uh, through the park at night, um, going to trying to find Pavilon because he's he's you know late coming home. Um, you have some questions that uh, that Kavin can ask his mother, and like you can't go back and ask all of them. Um, you just get you know I think two of four. Uh, and some of the stories, like, there's, you have the option of asking how Venba and Pavalon met, which is, like, a really cute story. Uh, or you have an, uh, you can act, uh, ask about, like, what um, Venba did for work back when she lived in India, which is also, yeah. like, interesting character development. Like, both of them are, like, you know, good dialogue, but you can only get one of them. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. it's a... Uh... It's an interesting choice to make it, you know, branching in that way so you don't necessarily get a complete picture. But, it's, you know, it's it's A, quick to play, and B, I think there's a chapter select once you've finished it. So if you just want to go through and, like, play that chapter and just see what the other dialogue is, you can just do that. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I like the art. The art's really nice. Yeah, yeah um, I... I I like the art except for one thing, and it took me out of it a bit, and it's that mm -hmm. the dad, I think he looks a bit like a Canadian from South Park. Oh, <laughs> with like the eyes? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> no, God, now I'm gonna, now I'm gonna be thinking about that the whole time. But yeah, you're right, you're not wrong. <laughs> Um, 
That aside, though, like, all of the food looks amazing. And it made me hungry. <sighs> yeah, I don't know. If, I don't know if I quite see that comparison, but uh, I guess. Um, sorry, the uh, I was looking up the uh, South Park Canadian characters. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know that I quite agree with that sen sentiment, but that's fine. Um, yeah, it's. I was trying to think of like how to describe the art style, um, and it like. The the best I could come up with is it looks like it uses a kind of like messy Photoshop brush that's like almost like a crayon um, because the, like the edges of all the texture like the the things are really rough um, mm -hmm. but in a way that like you know it's it's not like messy exactly it's it's very deliberate um, but I don't know it's it's an interesting visual style uh, and I, I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, it it's was a, giving me like, like oil past oil pastel vibes. Sure, yeah. Where it's um, like you know, yeah, basically a crayon, basically a crayon. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. Um, it's it is a little funny because when they zoom in on things, you you see that texture of the edges like a lot more clearly, which I think is pretty funny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean everything is like, it, it, like simple but very expressive. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a it's solidly economical. made little little game. And you know, as as we said the mechanics are not like difficult, but you know, it it feels good to like pour like put stuff in in a specific order and like move the mouse around to like roll out certain things and it's it's yeah. as it's as interactive as it needs to be, I think. Um yeah, other than that, I don't know that I have much else to say. But not, yeah, worth definitely worth picking up yeah. and playing for an hour. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very sweet and heartfelt, and uh, yeah, has that has that interactive memoir quality of like you can tell that this is somebody's story that they felt really strongly about telling. Mm -hmm. Um, and and I appreciate that about it. Yeah. All right. Um, so I can't think of a good segue to talk about the next game. Shall I talk about what we're going to play next? Yes, that sounds great. Yes. Um, okay. Uh, we are going to play uh, Cocoon next, which is a very recently released game um, from Geometric Interactive, published by our ever-present Annapurna that, mm -hmm. that we keep coming back to. Um, and I believe... Uh, the the director on it was the lead gameplay designer of Limbo and Inside, um, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, how elements of that come through in this game and sort of like you know what that the through line is. We we did talk we played Inside on this channel and we talked about how we felt like you know Inside was a big step forward from Limbo, uh, so mm -hmm. it'll be interesting to see kind of how that. Uh, that person has continued to progress. Although I don't know, it was specifically the gameplay designer of Limbo, so I don't know if it's you know how much of the same team it is. Um, but we'll see. I've heard uh, mixed things about it. Um, so a, a friend of mine also does a like regular game club with some with some friends, and uh, apparently this was somewhat controversial among them. 
Um, some people felt like it had some like missed opportunities and stuff. So we'll see, I guess, what we think about it. Um, I really I like... know very little about what's involved in it. Yeah, same. I, I do love the promise of a controversial game for the podcast. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's, yeah, looking forward to it. Um, it is on Game Pass yeah. if you're Game Pass subscribed. Otherwise, what is it, like 25 bucks if you're not on Steam, yeah. I think? Um, it's, uh, yeah. to be fair, to be clear, not controversial in the sense of, like, you know, it contains, like, controversial political themes uh, oh, or yeah. anything like that. Controversial in the sense that some of them really liked it and some of them didn't. <laughs> so. Yeah, 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 yeah. Differing opinions. Yeah. Just looking looking at the screenshots of this, it reminds me of like the 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 perspective and like the color palettes and design reminds me of Creature in the Well, which is I don't I was, think it's gonna I play like gonna that say, at all. Well, I was gonna say the the other the second game them the Stonefly, Stonefly right? Yeah. Because uh, Stonefly is the one about being a bug, and I think you're you're a bug in this one. So. It, it did give um, me, the, the, the um, screen caps do give me Stonefly vibes. I am still going to say Creature in the Well because I liked it a lot more than Stonefly. <laughs> fair enough, so, fair enough. There's that. Uh, speaking yeah. of controversial games. Yes, yeah, speaking of. So, yep. Cocoon is next. Play Cocoon. Um, plugs. Hello. Uh, I don't post on Twitter anymore, but you can find all the podcast links at uh, Linktree slash Feedback Force Podcast. I had to type it in to make sure that I said it right. But that's where it is. Um, the links are to the Discord, to Spotify, SoundCloud, and also to Escher's Insta. Yeah, if, if you, you want to look at Escher. If you want to look at pictures of my gecko, Escher, uh, you can find him on Instagram at Escher the Gecko. Um, and you can also buy the game that I wrote for, Wintermore Tactics Club, uh, at most major, you know, digital game re- retailers. Yeah. Do it. And I'm Carl. And he's Carl. And he will have a game. You should wishlist uh, Abyssus. Yes. Oh, is that wishlistable? Did I miss it? And it, it is? I, oh, I missed it. I wishlisted it. There we go. I've done my part. Yeah. I know that helps metrics, so. Yeah. yeah. It will be out at some point. Yep. Yay! We'll let you know when it's time to run out and buy it. All right. Or thanks for run joining in us and buy it on Steam. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, play Cocoon over the next couple of weeks. And uh, we'll yeah, just... hopefully we'll keep up our track record of being on time. But we'll you see. Know. Well, don't don't jinx it. Um, I know. This one is marginally longer than the last two we've played, so we'll see. And I do have to work through buying a house. Um, so we'll see if yeah. we're on time for the next one or not. That's fine. We're testing the waters. We're seeing if we can do it. Yep. Fingers crossed. Yep. All, all right. right. Well, thanks, thanks for, for listening. listening. And we will see y'all next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.